Hi, I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to Friends with Elephants. A show for the cool nerd in you. It's season two, episode four. One week late. (laughs) One week late, Ivana. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. I got sick last week. And basically, we couldn't record. Um, but we're back. We're back with a vengeance. We're both healthy. And Jay, you didn't catch the cold I had, so you're welcome. I feel amazing that I didn't catch your cold because I started a new job this week. It was very exciting. I met some people, did some things. What? Do you, how is the new office? Like, is it cold? Oh, like they don't have the heating it's high enough? chilly. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's very cold. And I met like five out of the 300 people on the floor. Also, FYI, Jay doesn't get cold. Like in his house, they're constantly leaving windows open, even all through the winter. Air conditioning is plentiful. It's like essentially my nightmare. It was minus 22 last night. We slept with the window open. Granted, your place is warm enough that it wasn't minus 22 inside. No. But if Jay says an office is cold, think what that means to the normal human out there. Oh, the woman that I share the office with was definitely bundled in a blanket. There was, I think she had a toque on. Is there like, is it, did you inquire as to whether or not this is regular or? Of course I did. And? Totally is. What? Yeah, they have a space heater, but it's very loud. So maybe I'm going to be looking in the market for a new space heater. I have two space heaters now that I'm living with Blake's parents, and they keep their house freezing. Ooh. Um, and so I, I can help with that. Perfect. Maybe we should do one day a top three turf war of the best space heaters. That sounds awful, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't have that much experience with space heaters. I asked if it gets really warm in the summer and they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, man, these windows suck. Like, they're just not thick windows. That sucks. Yeah. And a, But of course, I have a window view, which is nice. Bonuses to everything. To all of these things. But again, my back is to the door. So people will be sneaking up on me. And potentially killing you. Every time I have an office. If there's a zombie attack, you are the most likely to get killed without realizing that you're about to get killed. Depends what kind of zombie. Dun, dun, dun. It's time for a top three turf war and we are taking on zombies. All right. So this week... I saw a very cool video about the evolution of zombies while Jay's social media exploded. Now, listen, I don't watch The Walking Dead. I watched the first season, said, okay, yeah, it's like a really long zombie movie because no matter what you say about it, every single episode is just a mini zombie movie, 100%. And what I've gotten from people is... It's all about the characters, man. Well, that's wonderful. But every zombie movie is all about the characters, man. So, calm down. Anyway, my social media feed exploded. Just boom. With walking dead OMG memes. Like, this is how I looked after the walking dead half an hour later. Mouth drop. Yeah, I guess I have to get back into that show. I I started watching it, and then the season, for anyone who watches The Walking Dead, the season where that main character guy goes crazy and sees his wife or girlfriend coming back from the dead or sees people coming back from the dead, and they're in that prison. I was so bored, I didn't even finish that season. But I bet you or someone you know is a Walking Dead fan, so you probably know... What the hell happened last week that was so oh my god worthy? And we are going to take on zombies through the ages. We're doing a top three turf war about the three best types of zombies of all time. And we will be discussing our favorites and compiling a list. So what's your number three? My number three is the lovable zombie. Sure. 
Okay, so to explain what that is, the lovable zombie can be seen in films such as Fido or Warm Bodies. It's a zombie that is capable of growth. So yes, you're dead. Yes, you would bite off people's heads. But because you are find yourself in some sort of situation where you're interacting with a human and you realize through the gift of humanity that you can grab hold of at least a little bit of your humanity, you can then do that and grow. And I love those movies. I think they're amazing, and I think that they're a lot of fun. And so it is, is my number three zombie. Is Frankenstein a lovable zombie? Yes. I would say that Frankenstein counts because he is a reanimated corpse. Well, my number three is the rabid zombie or the running zombie. These are the... On the spectrum of zombie, the scariest zombie. The least likely to happen zombie, I think. But definitely the scariest. They can chase after you in hordes like they did in 28 Days Later. Or in Zack Snyder's version of Dawn of the Dead. They're just tearing through a bedroom trying to kill you. In fact, in Zombieland, uh, they move pretty damn fast too. So the rabid zombie who you get bitten... You're going to turn. I think they're like number three on my list. Okay. Okay. Number two? Number two on my list. Interestingly enough, we're going to have an interesting discussion on this. It's the viral zombie. That's number two for me. So we can have this conversation. Except that I counted 28 days later as a viral zombie. Zombieland, you're right. That's totally runners. But 28 days later, it's a virus. But I also feel like they were infectious, weren't they? Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. A virus is infectious, and so is 28 Days Later. So, then what's the difference between... See, this is where zombies are fucking crazy. (laughs) What is the difference between a viral and a rabid zombie? Okay, so here's the big difference. The rabid zombie dies and comes back to life as a rabid zombie, unless it bites you, at which point you also turn into a zombie. And a viral zombie is... It's it's essentially a very similar zombie, but caused by the outbreak of a virus, which is then can be transmitted through blood... And the viral ones are not corpses. No, they're alive. alive. So that's the biggest difference is that they are, in fact, alive. Okay, so the viral zombie, yeah, I still put it at number two. Yeah, I agree. I think 28 Days Later was my big reason for why I thought um, it was so prolific and deserved to be number two because 28 Days Later reinvented the zombie. Like, it came out and it was like, whoa, zombies can be fast? Oh, yeah. People, it was a scary film. Yeah. And this was the first time that, you know, you saw running zombies in a, in a scary, scary way. And then we had Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, I think, two years later. Yeah. Um, and, and we were afraid of zombies again because, you know, we weren't afraid. We, zombies were never really that scary. It was the numbers that was scary. Yeah. And well, and, and then so the next one for me was... Uh, also, I saw this really awesome movie not that long ago called Contracted. Sure. And it is the coolest zombie movie I have ever seen. I I was blown away by it. I don't know that it was the best thing I've ever seen, but it was such an interesting take on the concept of zombies and the viral zombie. Sure. That at the end of the movie, I just... My mouth was agape. I couldn't wait to tell people to watch it. Like, it was such a cool, slow build. And it, the concept of this movie is a girl gets date raped at a movie oh. or at a party. And um, so at it's the, one of those happy movies. Right. Super happy. So she gets date raped and she doesn't know who slept with her. And as the next few days go on, she starts exhibiting symptoms of a virus and only at the very end of the movie, oh, I'm sorry, I'm killing it for everyone, but I don't even think it matters. You realize. Well, I might watch it. Don't kill it. Well, I think I already did based on the fact that I mentioned it as a zombie film. She um, turns into a zombie. And you realize at the end, the whole thing is the progression of the virus. It is. But I, you know what? It's it's still clever. Even knowing that going in, I don't think, I think you'll like it more. You know what I mean? Okay, sure. I like. My thing with contracted with the with the virus is that it's scary because people are doing weird virus things. It could it could be scary at the end of the day. And and who it knows could be real what could happen. Yeah. yeah. Like that's I mean, that's the one that for me 
is closest to reality when people say zombie apocalypse. Like when the zombie apocalypse comes. That's an actual thing we say now for no reason. Well, no, for good reason. No, we have it a lot of a, zombie. It is not a good reason. There's a lot of zombie TV and movies. Is it realistic? Absolutely not. It's not going to happen. But people, uh, my friend Darren bought a sword because swords don't run out of bullets. And when the zombie apocalypse comes, he's going to want to slice up some heads. Totally disagree. He bought it because he thought the zord- sword was cool. And then was like, I need an excuse to legitimate, like, to legitimize this purchase. Yeah, ridiculous justification. But is it more sharp? And more it's people, probably not even sharp. It's pretty sharp. Oh, you've it is I've sharp. Seen it. Like, I it saw could, him buy it. Could it slice through people at its current state, or would he need to get it? Oh, I think sharpened? he needs to get this thing sharpened like ASAP, just in case. <laughs> ASAP. Yeah. Uh, what's your number one? My number one is the classic slow-moving zombie. Me too. I am a reanimated corpse zombie because I I love Night of the Living Dead. I love also Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is incredible, but all of these and which shows you like you can go from just a scary movie. And these are films to a that funny don't movie. explain themselves, and that is what makes That's the it beauty amazing. Of it. Yeah, there's no reason we don't need no stupid virus. It's happening. Deal with it. Go. And it's the reanimated corpse syndrome. You're saying if, if you have a house next to a cemetery, you're crazy. But if you have a house next to a cemetery, <laughs> guess what? Reanimated corpse style. It's happening. Yeah. You're dead if you're yes. living next to a c- cemetery. And I think that's what is so scary about those monsters. There's just so many of them. And when you think about it, there's so many people in this world who are dead. Way more, more dead than alive. Way more than alive. Yeah. I mean, man, that is going to be like. Also, just the fact just that they're so mindless and hungry and that, you know, you chop off their hand, doesn't matter. You chop off their legs, doesn't matter. And that, honestly, that slow walk gives you a false sense of security because you go around the bend and there's 800 of them. And then where oh, are you going to go? Shit. Yeah. Sewers. They'll be down there. How do you know? What are you talking about? You don't think that there's corpses in sewers from mob killings and whatnot? Did you ever see Zombie 2? No. Which is actually just called Zombie in Other Places, but it's an Italian... It was made by an Italian director, and it's called Zombie 2, and it's this really, really famous zombie movie. And in the movie, a zombie is trying to cross the ocean, because they don't breathe, they don't care, and gets in a fight with a shark. What? And it looks like... (laughs) Because it's real footage from the 70s. It looks like this shark bites in to this guy's arm. Wow. It's insane. And you can find it online. That's amazing. Yeah. That is very cool. Yeah. Fun fact about Night of the Living Dead is that it has actually been selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry. That is by far my favorite zombie film. It's such a simple, small story. The action revs up right away. They're in a cemetery. They're visiting mother or whatever the hell there happens. And then they're coming to get you, Barbara. And then the freaking guy walks over and it is game on. That's probably my biggest thing that I don't like about that movie is that how quickly I like. It's setups. like two minutes. I know. I like setups and I, I, I just could have reveled in the setup a little more but i love that i love that there's two versions of that film now i think one's like a 1990s version where they kill barbara at the end of the film and then the other one is uh the original version where barbara runs out into the arms of these people killing zombies and i believe they kill her friend uh who's who's with her and it's just not like it's just gut-wrenching the relationships that happen and then fall apart. And God, I will watch that movie till I die. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's definitely the number one zombie. Without that movie, we wouldn't have any of these other kinds of zombies. It took this concept of a voodoo spell that creates people that are like corpses. And then, you know, uh, Romero sort of sat there and thought, well, what if they just were corpses 
And and that's the I best know. thing about those zombies too is they don't need a rhyme or a reason or anything. It's just hunger. It's just the most base insi- instincts that drive these creatures. And, and that's and terrifying. And you got to respect Romero because he's made so many of these zombie movies, even now. And they all do well. And they all, they're all fine. Seven. But he's like ancient and still kicking around. Plus it's Pittsburgh, which is just kind of cool. Yeah. Because, like, what happens in Pittsburgh? I don't know. But, like you said, Shaun of the Dead, I mean, that's up there. Top top Ugh. movies of all time. Like, I think that's in my top ten. Top ten of all time? All time. No. 100%. Wow. I have that on every format, and I watch it all the time. I do love that movie. And that is also why this became number one versus number two or three or whatever. Because you can d- just do so many things with these monsters. It doesn't matter if you're watching comedy or like horror. Heck, probably even drama. Who knows? All right. So it looks like we got number one and two settled. Yeah. So number three, lovable zombie versus rabid zombie. I think I got to give it to you because I feel like rabid and viral are very similar. Yeah, they're very similar. So, this has been the easiest top easiest three, top three to four. Four ever. But you know what? We still had a lot of talking about zombies we that we did. had to get off our chests. Okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> I am going to do the drum roll. You are going to do the top three. You ready? Ready. Number three best zombie is the lovable zombie. Number two is the viral zombie. And the number one best zombie of all time is the classic reanimated corpse. Woo! That is a damn fine list. (laughs) Five things you should know from last week. Number five. Did you see Deadpool? Not yet. I'm seeing it this upcoming Sunday, which is the past the of when this episode is coming out. What the talking about? You haven't out. seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I have seen it twice. Twice? It's been out for five days. When would I, I? I was sick, and then I just didn't. We had a long weekend. Yeah. I The first day that I was not sick was Monday. Oh, I've seen it twice. When did you see it again? Yesterday? You know it. amazing so deadpool has destroyed all conceptions of how well and it rated our superhero movie can do Uh, guys we all knew this right yeah this is no surprise This is nothing we thought couldn't be achieved the studios are dumbasses the studios are dumbasses because they need to really understand that sometimes you gotta let the freaking art do the talking. If you want to call Deadpool art, I would call it go art. Go for it. I it definitely is call it art. Hilarity and amazingness, and I love it. That's what makes it art. Like for a movie to be an action comedy that people want to see, to me, that's what art is. Art isn't what people what the art house crowd sees. Art is what the people want. Well, and the people have spoken. This is the biggest opening ever for a rated R movie. Um, uh, that is also a superhero movie. That is also a superhero movie. Actually, maybe even biggest R ever, maybe? I No, it is. It's the biggest opening ever for a rated R movie. Huh. Opening. We don't know what it, its final gross is. Right. Fair, fair, yeah. fair. Uh, right now, as of today, the worldwide gross is $325.3 million. Is that not insane? That's insane. That's crazy pants. It is the number 15 top grossing film of the past 365 days. That's pretty freaking amazing. The number one ever for a February release or a winter release. I mean, this is this is big news. If yeah, you apparently people don't it. watch movies in wintertime until now. Until you give them something they want to see. And yeah. And it's good and, and everybody enjoys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is something you should not take the kids to. It's not. I see you looking at me like this. I know you're going to make your kids watch this movie when they're at an inappropriate age. Yes, I will. There is way too much gratuity and gore and F words and all that. I look forward to the nude scene. I'm, I think about it a lot. I'm very excited. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm excited for you to see it for the first time. I will be seeing it for a third time. I don't know. I got to call my buddy Chris. He wants to go again. <laughs> so. <laughs> so what's number four? Number four. Microsoft launched an awesome new website slash app that tells you what breed of dog you look like. 
It's like a much nicer version of their How Old Are You app. I have to ask. Yeah. Is this five things you need to know worthy? Yeah. Why do you need to know what kind of dog you look like? You don't look like a dog. You look like a woman. Everybody looks like an animal. Like, I remember one time I was having dinner at my future in-law's house at that time. Um, and and I turned to Blake's dad in the middle of dinner and I casually said, you know, you look like a weasel. And everyone at the table thought that it was some sort of what? awful like thing to it's say. A terrible thing to tell someone. No, it's not. Have you ever looked at a weasel? He looks like a weasel. They're adorable. Yes, but they're also associated with being a weasel. I a never thief, said a liar. I didn't all say that things. he was a weasel. I said it's he, just a terrible comparison to make. He just you looks like a weasel. Ferret. Yeah, but ferrets have pointy noses, and he doesn't have that pointy nose. Like he has a better look than a ferret. Who are okay? Look ugly. So I'm I'm guessing you took this app, or yeah. you at least you you did this. I did this. So what, did you. What do you look like? Well, I'm just trying to add some. Listen, the <laughs> magic of radio here, Ivana. <laughs> So, okay, what kind of dog do you look like? I I put in a number of pictures because I really wanted to test this. Uh, I got a poodle or a Shetland sheepdog repeatedly. Wow, that is, I would never peg you as a fluffy kind of dog. I know, I really don't get it. In my head, if I was going to choose like a dog that I looked like, I would probably go with like a Vishla. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but you know what else I didn't know what it was? The dog that I look like. Yeah, so do you, how do you even say that? It's a skipper key. Skipper key. I, I look like a skipper key. And what they do is they also give you this nifty little description. A skipper key is a fox-like face, clever, witful. Willful. Oh, I can't read. <laughs> Willful, friendly with family. That's the description of what the breed of dog is like. That's the description of me. <laughs> I have a fox-like face. I'm clever and willful. <laughs> All right. What's and I am three? friendly with family. I know. I know. That's what's funny. <laughs> All right. Number three is a big one. And I need your help leading into this and why this matters to Canadians. If you're in the U.S. and you're listening, which honestly, 50% of our audiences from the states exactly this is totally for you but i am canadian and i don't know why i need to know this so please ivana bring us into this so both bernie sanders and donald trump claimed a victory in new hampshire on tuesday february 9th so the leading experts are saying that this nomination process is going to be a long drawn out battle for who is going to be your Republican and Democratic Party leader and going in for the presidency. This is huge. So by the time you're listening to this, it will be after Saturday, February 20th, and there will have been another primary. The South Carolina primary is coming up. So I thought it would be fun for us to do our predictions. What do you think is going to happen? I should note that um, the reason why this is really important to know for anyone around the world is the fact that the U.S. is the world leader. Who is leading them affects the rest of us. I'm not surprised that the whole world is watching with bated breath, waiting to find out. And in some ways... See, I don't see it that way anymore. And sorry to 50% of our audience. For me, I, I am looking at Europe right now. When I look to world leaders, I see France. And I'm not really thinking about the states as much anymore. But the states and their military is one of the primary things that's going to fight ISIS. So how can you not look at them and what they're doing? Well, I think as a collective, we're all going to fight ISIS. I think we learned a lot from Iraq and we're going to fight them a little differently this time. Let's hope. I I will say that it's very interesting. Uh, I've been reading up on at least the Democratic candidates at length, partly because, let's be honest, I'm an actor, so I'm a Democrat if I'm going to be anything. Um, Sure. And, you know, 
I got, I'm sure there are no Republican actors. Well, there obviously are, but the majority happen to be Democratic. I don't think anybody happens to be anything. <laughs> so who who are you for? I am for Sanders. And over on the um <laughs> the Republican camp, I'm for anyone that isn't Donald Trump. The fact that that man could legitimately become the leader of the free world is shocking to me. <laughs> I feel like the joke has gone on long enough. I don't know why people are playing along. But Sanders, Sanders is freaking amazing. He is going to make the U.S. actually lead the world and get changes done and fight poverty and fight freaking racism. And he See, will be a leader that we can that all look Obama. for. Says who? Did you Says listen to his politics? Everyone thought this is a step in the right direction. We're going to make so many changes. Everything's going to be. And America fought him tooth and nail. How can the same not be said of Sanders? You know what? Obama has made a lot of changes. You have to hand it to the man, especially given that he lost the house for a while and all that stuff. He's done a lot with his presidency. And I think that he was a really good president. But at the end of the day, he's very much a man of the system. This, In the same way that Hillary is a woman of the system, Sanders is an independent, free-willed thinker isn't beholden to giant corporations. And that is a really big deal. All right. We'll find out next week. But what's your prediction? Who's going to win in South Carolina? For the Democrats, is it going to be Sanders or Clinton? I mean, I could literally just flip a coin at this point. Let's go with Sanders. I also am going to say Sanders in South Carolina. Obviously, we just had that conversation that you think he's going to win. No, I I actually think he's going to lose. Hillary will win. Okay. But I hope he wins. But I think he'll win in South Carolina. What's the difference between those states? Uh, I mean, like the whole the whole thing. Oh, the whole thing. Yeah, like I I think Hillary will win the whole thing. But... I mean, based on based solely on my social media feeds, I'm guessing Sanders because he pops up more. Interesting. Trump is everywhere. I I I've got to think people are going to go in and vote for him on a goof. And he's just going to become the Republican candidate. And you think he'll win in South Carolina, too? I think people are silly and they will make him win. I think for South Carolina, Cruz is going to win. But I think that it's terrifying. I think that Trump actually is going to win the Republican candidacy. Here's the thing. We don't have to say, that's it. I'm moving to Canada. We're already here. I'm not too worried. <laughs> what's number two all right um so netflix has completely revamped their suggestions again as you know netflix has now reached all over the world like 130 countries and guess what what some dude in barcelona is checking out uh i don't know the matrix he is gonna have a direct effect on your suggestions now. You know, I think it's great that that's happening. I, I think that that's what everyone would have hoped would have happened from the beginning. Obviously, it couldn't for various reasons. These are not easy logarithms to make. No, it's very difficult. But what they're saying now is that if they're, if you like horror movies and in Britain, a horror movie is catching on that we've never heard of, but it is in your Netflix queue, that now could show up because considering you enjoy that section of that catalog, it could show you, hey, here's a new one you may not know. And we recommend it because of. So what you really got to pay attention to, people, is how many Adam Sandler films you're watching. Because if you watch an Adam Sandler film, dear God in heaven, everything will be Adam Sandler films because the States is coming to get you. I mean, that's literally, I think, what happened with... Um uh x-files right everyone was watching x-files on netflix like crazy pants just to ramp up to the new so season they brought on and hilariously like i'm in the middle of watching old x-files and i'm ref i can't watch the new season yet and i feel like they kind of jumped the shark like I, I worry about the ratings of that show because 
people like me are like, no, 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 I can't watch it till I've seen all the old episodes again. I think that show is, I mean, it's only six episodes and it's just a really? mini, it's just a mini series event. And then see, that's it. It's to over. see how it goes. Oh. I guess next year it'll be like, hey, it went really well. Let's do more. But then what if it didn't do well enough because there were then too many gone. people like me saying, I'm going to get to it later. Well, you got to move faster then. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'm enjoying the hell out of it, I but I know a lot of people aren't. A lot of people don't like it. A couple of people I know have not been enjoying it. Huh. Yeah. All right. All right. And the number one thing that you should know from last week, this is super important, actually. Yeah, this is actually like news that you need to know. Apple opposes an order to help the FBI hack into the San Bernardino iPhone. Not going to give it. So San Bernardino, you remember it was a terrorist attack. There was a shooting uh, that happened about a month or maybe a month and a half ago. And it was it was big news. And the FBI has elicited help from Apple to crack uh, the iPhone and crack certain aspects of this person's equipment. Um, now, and then in they- the past, there hasn't been any problems with the FBI bringing a warrant somewhere to get into someone's computer. I don't believe they needed to go to IBM to do that or Microsoft to do that. With something like a phone, it's a little bit different, but I still think it's a computer. We're walking around with many computers. If they have a warrant to get into that computer, there should be something going on there. Now, the weird thing about this one is that Tim Cook is saying in order to do that, they have to build new software. And in, and if that software got in the wrong hands, hackers could absolutely get into your, your phones. Yeah. Actually, it's more than that. It's that fact that Apple uses a very specific encryption logarithm that they have never built a a hack to. Right. So for them to suddenly open up, like the whole purpose of why you buy your Apple phone is that you feel safe taking pictures. Like what if you have all these nudes on your phone, whatever, and they're on your phone and they're not synced to the cloud or whatever, it's safe. It's there. It's also your information. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a really big thing for the privacy of individuals. And I understand that this is a terrorist attack. And it is really important for us to do everything we can to catch these people. But I think that Tim Cook is right that there are certain things. When you open Pandora's box, you cannot close it again. And you cannot get back what you have released into the world. And that's what he is opposing. He This isn't a simple hack into his phone thing. He's This guy has obviously clearly uh, erased data. And it is not retrievable any longer in any normal way. And the fact that you would be able to then not only take Apple's time, but have them pay their own people to break their own code that has kept their own customers safe. And they're one of the biggest companies. I mean, that's a really big thing. For privacy overall, I would say that here's the deal. Before the internet age, you never would have anything to hack into of this guy's. So if you can't get the information via normal hacking and this just happens to be too strong an encryption for you to like fight your way through. It is what it is. Like sometimes certain things in the world just, you know, slip through your fingers. And this isn't like Apple hasn't already helped the FBI. Everywhere they have been able to, they've helped. At the end of the day, we put a lot of trust in these companies to do the right thing with all of this information that we have out there. And, and for example, none of the information that I have on any device ever is so sensitive because I'm a boring person. But would it? But I would be really pissed. Right. To have that, like, privacy taken away, especially after I have given the trust and put the information in there. Then on the flip of the coin, gotta flip that coin. What if it could lead us to more terrorists? 
There are many ways that we can find more terrorists. And the problem of terrorism is bigger than this one iPhone. I I can't for the life of me imagine why this one iPhone is so important to stop all terror. Like, is this going to stop all terrorism? How many people is it going to find? What is it actually going to do towards the larger battle when you step back for a second? If it if this is the iPhone that stops all terrorism, then. But what if it's the iPhone that stops a school massacre tomorrow? But we don't know that it is or isn't. And is that worth it? On the backs of everyone else and th- their data and their privacy. I don't know. Because like, okay, if, here. If, because if it was on there, if there was something on there that led to something that could have been stopped, I would say yes. But I would guarantee that he probably also has information on his computer and on various Which they've social already media gotten to, right? Uh, so what more are you really going to get? I think that this is a situation where well, ISIS the government, is using no, I apps. Don't think, ISIS is using apps. They realize all that with what happened in the Paris. apps are not what is at stake here, though. Is what I'm trying to explain. But you got to get into the phone to get to those apps. No, because the apps live on the servers in the cloud. So you think that you get to the people who do the apps so they can check their records? That, but that's not what they're looking for here. What they're looking for here is they're using this to be able to open the floodgates of ending personal privacy and creating a big brother-like state. We're going one step at a time, and we have to think about these things very carefully before we dive head first, and before we know it, there is no such thing as privacy. This is a perfect example that can is making news stories that people are talking about, but maybe not everybody is actually looking at the situation and saying, wait a minute, this is an iPhone. There's also so many other ways to get information nowadays. What could possibly be so special about that one iPhone? See, all these other avenues that you say, all I think is, what are those other avenues? When I think of me, I think of... Everything you own is on Google Drive. Everything that I have is in the cloud. Like, I don't have anything on my phone. Yeah. So... So what is that phone if you were a terrorist, right? And you're not, but like, everything you have is in the cloud, so what is opening up the encryption on your phone so that it becomes then hackable theoretically to the world, what does that do for you? That takes away all your security, but it doesn't gain the government that much insight. Right. So I just don't know that it's worth the price. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a conversation that we could keep having for hours upon hours. Yeah. <laughs> we want to know what you think of Apple defying this judge's order and ruling uh, to help the FBI. So please I mean, let they're us know. legally appealing. Yeah, but they're defying it. Through legal avenues. It's defilement. That's like saying that They've been if defiled. you get... <laughs> so it wasn't last week. It was the week before we asked you, hey, why don't you watch Spotlight with us? And we watched Spotlight couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so <laughs> we are going to dive into this now because honestly, a movie like Spotlight is quite good. And I remember almost everything, even if it was a couple of weeks ago. So what did you think, Ivana? It was fantastic. The performance by Mark Ruffalo. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I Okay, I got to... S- Full disclosure this one. If DiCaprio loses, it better be to Ruffalo. Ruffalo is up for supporting, so they're not even in the same. How is that a supporting role? I know. To me, too. I was like, how is that a supporting role? But you know what? They obviously are going to give best lead to DiCaprio. And if he was in the lead role, then, like, he should have won. Like, I would have been upset if he was up for best actor and DiCaprio got it. I would have been like, are you fucking kidding me? Did you not see Ruffalo and his freaking performance? He was amazing. Okay. This is the goddamn Hulk. Okay, so you're right. This is the Hulk from the Avengers. And I'm sitting here literally watching the entire two-hour movie being like, 
oh my gosh, this is such a big breakout role for this unknown actor I'm staring at. I've never seen acting like this. Yeah, I didn't even recognize him because he did so well embodying this character. It's a very different role. It is, it's a very different It's like nothing you've seen from him. I know. And I didn't even know that that was Mark Ruffalo. I left the movie theater and I turned to Blake and his parents and I'm like, oh my gosh, who's that guy? His career is going to just explode. And Blake's like, are you kidding me? That's Mark Ruffalo. He his career has exploded. <laughs> like, he is the Hulk. So I didn't I didn't even recognize him. That's how good his acting was. I loved this film. This film to me was it was shocking. Yeah, it was shocking. I didn't realize it's based on true events. How how many pedophiles are in this system? Yeah, like I didn't realize that 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 those numbers were that extreme, nor did I realize how severely the church helped to cover up these awful, awful abuses. I know. And actually, the thing is, I knew this going in. Didn't know the numbers. Uh, it's obviously based on true events and a true story. Um. But I had seen a documentary called Deliver Us from Evil. And it was all about one priest who preyed on a, a number of people, uh, a number of children. And when the church found out, they moved him to Ireland. So it was from the States, moved him to Ireland. So I knew about this shuffling about business. And if you haven't seen the film, what it really uncovers is... Once a discretion has been made, there are no, there, there is no police, there is no law, there is none of that. The church takes it under their command, I guess, and they put them on what is called sick leave, which is really like put them into a house, and then they shuffle them to another place. Yeah, I, I didn't quite, I mean... I knew that priests were being shuffled. I think most people have. This is not a new story. No. But the the actual details that came out from Spotlight, and those are factual details. Six, or no, what was it? Six percent? It was 90. 90 priests. Yeah. In, in one city. Yeah, and not even the biggest city ever. No. Where was it again? Boston? Boston. Boston, yeah. I mean, and what that that is such an amazing part in the film. So, so much the percentage of uh, predators, I would like to call them, that become join the priesthood is shocking. Um, there's something about the priesthood that's clearly driving people to either join if they are predators or creating predators within well, the system. I, think, I don't I know. I think that. Uh, I mean, I don't. I can't specifically say but i feel like the church is a place where people feel safe Mm -hmm. and so if you're thinking all these awful god-awful thoughts these these men they feel safe at church so they can go and be be built around god and feel better about themselves Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they have this avenue to pray on people yeah because people trust the priest Oh, I, I also, I mean, maybe not all of it is so insidious, but I, I read a very interesting article a while back by, it was an anonymous article written by a 17-year-old pedophile. Um, and it was sort of an autobiography, if you will, that he realized, you know, that he never really grew up from being attracted to nine-year-olds, essentially. So he got older people his age were really into the people his age and he found himself really into nine-year-olds uh and he realized of course that this is absolutely wrong and he has no desire ever to uh cross any boundaries it's sort of the scenario of he is born with some sort of weird thing where he happens to find himself attracted to younger children and so he personally just kind of stays away from them and lives a fairly normal life. Um, and the article was actually about that he was writing about the fact that he wishes that there were support groups out there for people like him who have never and will never, um, 
you know, do anything about this and just want to find ways to cope and live their lives and stay away and never become a predator. And maybe that's what it is too. Maybe some people grow up and they realize, oh my gosh, I'm a pedophile. I should become a priest and take a vow of celibacy so that I never touch children. And then suddenly they're put in front of all these children and in a position right. of power. And and I'm not saying that that's an excuse. It is not an excuse. If you suddenly find yourself there and you're a priest and you realize that you're tempted, stop being a priest. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's... Freaking, you're, if you're supposedly a man of God, if you realize that you're... That's a weak spot for you, go. Leave. Do not prey on these children. Of Do not course. ruin their lives. But maybe that's how they got there. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this took a real crazy turn from <laughs> from talking about Spotlight to, I mean, it's, it's as you can tell, if you haven't actually seen this film, it's a deep and, and, and sometimes disturbing film about the, about real practices from inside the church to cover up these awful acts. It's also really interesting to me that we didn't know all these details. Like, we didn't know how bad it was. And I got to think that that's because the church really did a good job with PR spinning the scandal. Well, it looked like they did. They had lawyers in their pockets. The church paid for everything. It went to the Vatican. Um, and the bo- it's all about the Boston Globe doing real journalism for a whole year to uncover this. And, you know, they would ha- they had the facts on 90 priests... But it, it and it would take out the cardinal of the city, but it wouldn't destroy the system. Yeah. So they had to wait. They had to wait on what they had, and they had to wait, and they had to wait, and it's almost like, oh, come on, tell the story. But it, it's so it was. It's a satisfying finish. It's heartbreaking. The performances are terrific. Um, everyone was terrific, but Mark Ruffalo, Mark blew, Ruffalo everyone blew everyone else out of the water. Yeah. But and and you know what else I, I really like about this movie is that it also, in addition to talking about really interesting stuff in regards to the actual cover up and the crimes and all that stuff, it takes a minute to say, wait a minute, before we all get too l- up in arms with the whole concept of Twitter news and anyone can be a news broadcaster or anyone can be a news broadcaster and that kind of stuff. There is actual value that comes from proper journalists who do proper research and we have to give them latitude and it's not always about the story right now. It's about where this story is heading and how we can get the proof to show you it is happening. It's not a, this person died today on Twitter, and everybody's like, no! And then... That's right. It's a fake story. It's not about sensationalism. It's about, this is honest, this is true, and this is a problem. And not only that, journalists aren't just paparazzis, essentially, that talk about who's breaking up in Hollywood. They are people who investigate things such as large-scale cover-ups. And without them, we would likely never get to the truth. It's a thankless job. It's a dangerous job. And I I don't know too many films. And also one that's kind of maybe disappearing. And one that's somewhat disappearing. So then that's the thing that I think about sometimes bringing it back to Applegate. Um... You know, without journalists to look into what is the story really, then all we're looking at is PR spins. Maybe people just have to turn to podcasts, (laughs) which I think is totally where they should go. So next week, uh, you are going to join us for our amazing Oscars. It's going to be there's going to be some spoilers. We're going to talk about our top 10 movies of the year. We're going to do our Oscar picks. We're going to do all kinds of fun stuff. And that will be not this Monday, but the following Monday. And obviously the Oscars happen on Sunday. So we will be re- we will be recording the episode before the Oscars happen, releasing the episode after the Oscars happen. And then 
as a special bonus, we'll be doing a mini-sode. Yes. That's going to come out on Tuesday, uh, where we think about all of our predictions and whether or not they came true and how dumb we were with them. <laughs> and you'll get to have fun knowing, oh, you guys are fools. They, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. It'll be a lot of fun. All right, that is it for today. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening. Totally hope you enjoyed our uh, our very long, extended, and overdue episode, Ivana. I know. But I hope you really, really enjoyed it. And thanks so much for tuning in. Um, please hit that like button or hit uh the star rating or the review or the whatever is there to tell us you care that is what i need you to do this is the week guys we are making miracles happen we have been climbing we're up to eight reviews on itunes what i really want to see that number become 10 so two of you out there, please just give us a star rating. You could make this poodle so happy. You do also have to say something along the lines of great, fun, or even if it's a bad star rating, awful, bad, whatever. That's say reviews need. aren't what you're thinking uh, thinking about. You can always reach out to us. That's true. You can find us at friendselephants.com. Or Facebook slash Friends Elephants. You can email us at friendswithelephants at mail.com. Or catch us on Twitter. I'm at It's Ivana. And I'm at Jester J. And also, if you want to just follow us on Twitter, I'm getting perilously close to the 10,000 follower mark, people. Wow, that is the worst plug. You are just a... Ah. I just want 10,000 followers. Wow. <laughs> wow. I am getting dangerously close to, I think, 400. <laughs> I understand that I'm not a pretty actor, but please follow me. <laughs> Uh, and with all of that said and done, I can't wait for our Oscars episode. I know. I'm so excited. I will see you next I week. I have like 12 movies to watch for still, maybe. 12? No, I'm joking. But still, there's 12. a lot. I feel like there's a you lot. You gotta watch Deadpool. Sunday. Maximum effort. Okay. Sunday. I It's happening. I have the date planned. All right. And I have a writer's meeting, and then I have, and then the writers are all going to see Deadpool. Oh, that'll be so much fun, actually. Yeah. You're going to have a blast. Yeah. Uh, and if you saw Deadpool, let me know by following me on Twitter and not Ivana because I've already seen it <laughs> twice. And then you know what? We should talk about Deadpool two weeks from now. Eventually, we will talk about it all. So if you want to watch it, we'll be talking about oh it. Oh, my God. We got to do a superhero top three turf war. Let's have a superhero episode. Okay. Why does it have to be a whole episode? Why not? Why are you getting excited? <laughs> like superheroes. Why are you shaking? Just calm like down. It's just an idea right so now. Good. We haven't done anything. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.